Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast, a podcast about renewing hope and happiness for educators with topics ranging from health and well-being to best practices in and outside the classroom, being a parent and an educator, justice, and so much more. I was one of the many teachers who left the classroom due to burnout. I thought I would be a teacher for life and found myself walking away from a career I loved. I want to get in front of this and talk candidly about ways in which we as a community can support the health, well-being, and development of educators, especially teachers who are feeling the burn and are questioning if they made the right career choice. Trust me, you did. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. I am so excited to have Jill. And actually, I may need you to pronounce your last name, Jill, in a moment. Um, but I, I have to just say, as I introduce you, why I felt so compelled to have you on this podcast. And the biggest thing was you are advocating for teachers in a way that really, really thinks through the sustainability of this. I mean, you are a veteran of education. You've been through the throes of it. And as, as a person who has been in the throes, it is very clear to me that you are so drawn to the idea that people can sustain in this if they take care of themselves. And not everybody does. And so my interpretation is that sometimes we have to find people to help coach us through that. And I'm so excited to have you here because I really believe that your message and your ability to coach people through this is exactly what teachers need right now. So without further ado, I would love for you to just introduce yourself, um, share a little about your journey um, as, as it pertains to you going from the classroom to where you are now. And then we'll dig into some of the things that you do for teachers. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Kelly. Um, so you pronounce my last name, Lesh. It is phonetically like nothing like you would teach children. I remember the I would first have, time I would I have butchered it. I would have butchered it. I remember it. the first time I got in front of a classroom during my pre-service and they were talking about um, digraphs and the CH sound in my, my name. The last three letters are, you know, S-C-H. And I was like, okay, now kids, I'm going to introduce myself and forget everything you learned because um, so I am Jill Lesh. I am, as you said, I've been teaching for quite some time. Um, uh, this would have been my 24th year in Minneapolis, in the Minneapolis Public School District. I am currently on a leave of absence. Um, I have done kind of everything. I student taught in Minneapolis. So I kind of got the throes of urban education right away and just fell in love. Uh, I have taught everything from our pre-K program to second grade as a classroom teacher. I have been a literacy teacher for fourth and fifth graders, a literacy resource teacher for um, all grades, K through six. I have coached other teachers around instruction, mindset, and specifically differentiation. And um, I returned to the classroom four years ago. I taught or I coached for three years and then I returned to the classroom in kindergartens. Um, stamp in a, in a kindergarten classroom in 24 or 2017, excuse me. And that was the year that I was um, diagnosed with Addison's disease. So uh, the quick of it is I produce no cortisol. It's an autoimmune of the adrenals. It's my second autoimmune and it's quite life-threatening um, in navigating the new normal that I needed to with my 
daily steroid medications and everything. I was hospitalized four or five times those first two years. Mm-hmm. So really drawing back to uh, the stress component, uh, cortisol helps handle stress. I don't produce any. Mm-hmm. So if there was any fluctuation in what my normal daily steroid do- dose would be, it would really create kind of the perfect storm. And so I needed to figure out even better ways of taking care of myself in order to live and to see um, how I could still teach. And in that process, I, I really, you know, when you're, when you're faced with a kind of a life or death situation, it becomes very clear what you can let go of. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, guess what? My kids, they still thrived. Our classroom was actually more cohesive, better. I was happier. The people around me were happier. My family was happy. Every, everything just fell into place with what I knew and what I thought I was doing prior to that. Um, but it wasn't really enough. And when you're in the vacuum of being a teacher and part of a system that really um, manipulates and um, is there's almost like a little martyr, there's a martyrdom in our, in, in this. And it's hard, it's hard to say that because I value and I, I love educators, but we've been in it and it's been in a culture for so long that we can sometimes be so part of the problem and not even see it. Mm. So um, that led me to take what I have done for myself and take a year of, uh, of a leave and see how I can make my ripples go a little bit further than the um, teachers and the school within my just small little sphere. <laughs> Uh, Jill, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And one, my heart just, I I can't even imagine. um, And I appreciate you sharing so vulnerably that part of you. um, I'm sure it just opened your eyes to so many things. And um, I appreciate you sharing too, just how you're living with this. And I'd I'd love to touch on that more um, and, and talk more about Yes, how this this life or death situation has impacted like the choice you've made in this like year of sabbatical. Um, and also thinking through that, I mean, so you had left the classroom, you came back as a kindergarten teacher and then was diagnosed with this. And coming back to the classroom is stress in and of itself. Um, I know for certain um, as somebody who's done that. And also though, like, having something that doesn't allow you to manage stress. So what was it that was very telling that something was wrong? Are you able to share that a little bit or? Um, you mean that led to my diagnosis? Is mm-hmm. that what you're Yeah. So I had, I had been sick for probably about a year and a half and I had been doing lots of um, doctoring both uh, Western med and also some alternative kind of naturopath type of things. Um, I knew I had some adrenal fatigue and I was coming off of uh, being a fitness competitor and I own a fitness studio with my husband. So um, I just, it was really hard to like, it just seemed almost overnight, even though it wasn't. Mm. And it, I'm able to be pretty vulnerable and talk openly about, about these things, because if I hadn't, I probably would have died. It was in having a conversation with a colleague in, um, in the office after my first hospitalization pre-diagnosis and mm-hmm. all the doctors, right? Like a big, so a big indicator of Addison's is hyperpigmentation. So like I looked, I looked very dark. <laughs> my skin color mm-hmm. was, was very dark. 
Um, people commented at the doctors and no one even thought, and, and after thought, um, in hindsight, my doctors were like, oh, I can't believe we didn't catch this, but it's a pretty rare, rare disease. So um, I was happy for the diagnosis in, in all honesty, because I had been sick for so long. And I was diagnosed the, um, the end of May of 2017. And so I started my new position in the fall and I had the summer to really feel, I mean, I really felt like I'm like, oh, I have this under control, but it was the summer and mm -hmm. the stress level is different. And you're exactly right. I went back into the classroom and even though I had been coaching teachers, I still had stayed connected and was a really hands-on type of coach. Like we co-taught things together. I was in the classroom. So I wasn't completely removed from, from teaching, but from having my own classroom, it's amazing. Three years makes like the, you know, the, uh, coming back into that was, was a, a little much. And then, um, I had my first, I had my first, uh, pre, like kind of crisis mm -hmm. the first day that the kids were back into school oh. and, and I've never had that before. So I had to be really open with my admin. I had already told my team about it. And so that's, that's the most important thing for me is that when I can be vulnerable and open with the people around me, um, I think at the heart of it, we all want to support each other. And when we know what's happening, it's a lot easier to do versus people making up things about what was going on with me anyways, because people are going to think what they're going to think anyways, like, why is she out? What's her problem? And so like, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> wow. And so that was, um, probably the biggest, the biggest support that year was just, um, having those around me know what I was going through and what I navigated together. Also like that's, it helped them. The boundaries I was setting for myself helped them. And, um, we were able to just really do some great things. So. Yeah. Thank you. I, I love what you're saying. Like at the heart of it, we all do want to support each other. And it's interesting because I feel so often I hear I'm isolated or I'm an eye on an Island. And in my mind, I'm like, how does that happen when at the heart of it, we all are thriving and, and striving for that connection, yet that happens. And so maybe we can touch on that. But I think one thing that I'd love to just kind of rewind and come back to was when you realized that things needed to change for you, you said you let some things go and students still thrived. Things were still okay. So what were some things that you let go that maybe even other teachers could just let go and free themselves of some of this, this angst that their bodies might be able to actually have the chemicals to uh, to help navigate, whereas yours did it. But like, yeah, what were some things that you just could let go, but still allow your classroom space and yourself to thrive? Yeah, I I think most most teachers would probably agree that when we're putting together plans or thinking about our lessons, that oh, and we could do this and this and just all these, you know, adding these extra things to make it better or, and I just really scaled down. And that's one of my strengths is systems and being strategic. And so really pulling back, like, what is at the heart of it? Um, why is this about me needing having, having to have something new? Like, what do the kids really need to do in order to learn this and really simplify the process in my planning and what I was providing for, for my students? Um, it, incorporating my students in the work of what I was doing for myself. So that's something that I've 
created for teachers now in one of my card decks is how do you take care of yourself during the school day in small moments that you can incorporate with your students. You don't have to, but really true SEL and true self-care is going to come during the day in that space of, um, I have a Venn diagram visual in that space where we where we merge together and it's a 24 seven thing. So again, I was really always honest with my students, um, really creating a, a culture of uh, community and caring about each other. Um, even though I was there to help facilitate, I'm just an older, slightly taller person that has the same feelings as the little people. Um, and they like to be included in that. Um, it was really being able to say no, saying no to all the initiatives. And I understand that when you're a new teacher, it can feel really hard to do that. As a veteran, I think it's it may be easier to do that. I don't, I don't know. Um, but really sifting through all of the things that were thrown at us, knowing what was most important in my classroom and doing what I needed to do to not get so caught up in uh, all the things that people were saying, oh, this and this and this, because I do believe that energy flows where your attention goes. So what you're mm -hmm. focusing on, you're going to continue to find more evidence for those things. So um, when my focus went to creating peaceful spaces, to creating systems, um, to like not be, not having to be perfect in my, what my version of perfect was like, what is this about? And um, I didn't stay late. I, I, I decided a time frame. I decided uh, systems and how I was going to plan and how I was going to leave so that, um, for instance, I even had on, um, started with one day and then added more, but at the time that I was uh, contracted to leave at, I had an alarm that went on my phone and then the alarm came up as time for Jill or something like that. Oh, so just, I love like, that. Hey, if I don't do this, I am breaking a promise. I have um, said to myself, so it's in the, it was in the really small little things I've, I've described quite a few things there, but it wasn't like, I just did all that over overnight. I mm -hmm. took really small baby steps. Um, what was going to create a feeling of my self-worth? Cause I now know that that is the center of it. Mm -hmm. I, th I think I do believe that like that's the center of the self-worth we feel for ourselves. We take action to support that. And mm -hmm. if we don't know what that looks like, it's really easy to let all of the other outside forces, people, systems infiltrate and permeate that um, boundary that at some point in your life you had, <laughs> whether it was when you were five or 15, like something allowed those doubts to create other things to um, enter that space so wow thank you for sure i don't know if you notice you're bringing tears to my eyes um just speaks to my heart because that's it's so true and i think you know having been doing education work for 20 years myself my self-worth was i think i was putting it toward like how other people saw me as an educator so the longer i stayed like I wanted to make sure people knew I was there at 6 a.m. and leaving at 6 p.m. and and now realizing 
there's so much more to myself than that and how other people view me. Um, and I, I know it now as an administrator, I want my own teammates, teachers, and people to be like, it is okay. Like, what do you need to do? It's, it's, it's KP time. It's Kelly time. It's Jill time, whatever it is, and really support that. Um, but I wonder too, you know, like at what point did it get to, like, were you able to get to that point, you know, where you were like, this is me, was it that diagnosis? Cause not everybody's going to have that. And how do we get more teachers to that point to be able to acknowledge that? What are you doing for teachers? Cause I know that that's a big part of your work. Um, so we can give them that sense of self-worth without the, yeah, without all of the other external people, because it really doesn't matter. Right. I would say that it's definitely been kind of, um, I'll just use the visual of a roller coaster. I've had times in my teaching career where I really was doing those things. For instance, when I was competing, mm. I, I mean, I was, I, ha I had really big goals and I was going to be on stage and all of these things. And I, the, I had to do things during the class day when I was teaching reading groups. So asking my kids, do you mind if I'm eating chicken and rice? <laughs> um, you know, they're no, no. And so like, again, bringing them into my world. Mm -hmm. And then, so when I was in those spaces, I was able to do those things for myself. And then when there wasn't maybe that focus or an intention, then it would kind of dip down and it was really easy to be influenced by all of the things around me. So I think the biggest realization, yes, with the diagnosis is that, you know, this, this is not going away for me. This, mm -hmm. um, I don't figure out this stress thing and I, I either die or I'm not teaching or like it is, or I, or I muddle through and I'm living not really a, you know, thriving type of life. <laughs> like I can survive, but is it really thriving? So I really wanted to look at those sustainable pieces like what are at the heart of all of it if I pull everything back if I have a day where I can't do all of the things that maybe I would like to do what are the one or two key pieces for me that I know can keep me grounded in saying positive things about myself even if things aren't happening the way I want them to um, be able to see the greater picture to understand where those coming from. So for me, when I pulled that back, really meditation is a, is a really big one for me mm -hmm. and um, exercise. And so really understanding those, those pieces. And so when I've done what the work that I'm doing now um, to help teachers, I'm looking at six areas of self-nurturing. So I'm the self-nurtured teacher and I chose the word nurtured. I know people use self-care and I will too because it's the one that people know, but I think it's it's trendy and it's hard to define because it's been defined so differently in different areas. Mm -hmm. So for me, nurture is something where, you know, if I, you think of a tree, so my logo has a tree on it and you think mm -hmm. of you, you want to have well-established roots that are going to hold you solid and needing to nourish, nourish from the root, from the core, from that, from that bottom to be able to grow strong. And then eventually those branches that come out and then getting to that place of those extra like icing on top the leaves, right? And all of the, the things that, um, the fruit of your labor, so to speak. 
And so there's six areas that people can nurture themselves in your physical self, your social self, spiritual self, your environment or the surroundings you have, your emotional self, and then your professional self. So I've geared everything towards understanding those areas and then also understanding where is a good area for each person to start. This is where that kind of differentiation mm-hmm. is, right? Because even though we know like our physical self is really a, a big key player, right? If that is something that has been really hard for you to do and maybe having a small little habit in your emotional self, you like to get to the other, to get to the other area. So finding a person's starting point. Um, I'm really, this is a, this is new for me. So what I'm building is a community, um, where teachers come together, um, during the month with live coaching calls with me to work through this, where we have two calls a week that center on one of those areas of self care Mm -hmm. that use my either teacher SEL or the me cards that are very unique card decks to practice and to really say that it's okay to start small. It, in our world, in our society, we want the end results before we even start doing anything mm-hmm. or to get those results. So Absolutely. I think it's, it's making it okay that um, slow and steady will be the best route, so which doesn't seem like it's always been that way for you because I think I read, and then you'd mentioned it to the perfectionism and you're a recovering perfectionist. And so what are some of the things that you've done to overcome that, to be able to be like the slow and steady works and those little things work knowing that, yeah, with a perfectionist mindset, it is about the end outcome. And then everything along the way has to be perfect. I will say And anyone in my family who knows me, I am the farthest from a perfectionist. I will never be a recovering perfectionist. And I actually love this about myself. It drives perfectionists crazy. But talk about your journey toward the recovery of perfectionism. Oh, it's been, it's been a long going journey. There's, there's so many aspects of it too. Um, I will say becoming a parent was probably one of the first uh, big trajectory changers for me in, in not wanting to place those same kind of thoughts or things on my, my children. Um, when my son was young, I remember him mixing the Play-Doh colors and I, my inside, my reaction was just like, oh, what are you doing? And then I was like, oh gosh, let it go. I heard, I heard the things that were told to me and I'm like, you know, I don't think that's going to be helpful. And I will say that he is a pretty calm, chill guy. And he has been one of my biggest um, uh, sources of like learning from, um, which I don't think is an accident, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I think realizing what it has done both mentally and physically. I, I don't think it's a fully accident or whatever you want to call it, that I have these autoimmune diseases. I know Mm -hmm. that it's part of my journey um, for myself and also my purpose in in helping others. Um, But as a person that is a big pendulum swinger, um, that all or nothing, 
Um, you know, there's lots of areas in my life where yes, it needs to be perfect. And then if I told you that there'd be other areas that would be like, wait, what? Cause your car is so sure. messy. <laughs> so, um, working with the therapist, understanding some of those, where those come from and really being reflective and trying to bring that pendulum so that it's just the swing is a little not so severe. Um, and, and it's a lot of mind talk. I've, I've got to say like it gets less, but there's not a day that goes by where I'm still not having a conversation with myself to put myself into um, a perspective that mm. allows for uh, mistakes, grace, whatever. I, I, starting with just some of those phrases and really reflecting. And so it's much less, but it's, it, it's always going to be there. And so it pops up and I know what to do with it now. So helping people, you know, guide themselves through some of their limiting beliefs and thoughts, whether it's perfectionism or not, we all have something, um, because we're human and we have filters and, uh, family units and communities that we grew through that are amazing and also um, provide area for us to work on. Yeah, I'd love to speak to that a little bit. Uh, just, you know, so much of what you're coaching people through is what you're putting into practice every day. And so maybe a nugget or two of a lot of that mindset work that you're doing um, and that teachers could and or educators generally could do just from hearing you say start here so what would be your advice for your educators who are needing to kind of just jump on the bandwagon of a journey of self-reflection and growth mindset what can they be doing now i think the the best thing that i do and i practice this with my students as well is uh, recognizing your signs of when you are in, <laughs> for me, that looks like, oh, I've got to get this and this, and I can feel my energy. I'm a pretty energetic person, but I can feel when my energy gets heightened to where it's almost outside of me. And I'm just needing to do all these things. I literally say to myself, stop, Jill, just stop. Mm-hmm. And I breathe and I'll just do a simple breath work and then a question, uh, some version of this question. Okay. Is this necessary? <laughs> what is necessary right now? And that is able to help me take a look. And it's like, I, this, I don't need to do this right now. And, um, to, to kind of pinpoint and focus the other the other thing is when it comes to mindset, a lot can happen with the, the preparation you do with your routines and naming your top three priorities of mm. each day ahead of time. So in my planner, you can put it wherever, you can put it on post-it, whatever works for, for each person. I have determined these are the top three things that really need to get done today for whatever the case may be, a deadline for my own self, something to check off and really feel proud of. And if I get nothing else but those three things done, that is a successful day. And so I think 
we can get really overwhelmed with the lists of all the things going on and then it becomes noise and muddied and it's hard to see the path and stay intentional. So um, not fully a mindset trick, but like a, a, a building a routine and habits that can support what it is that you want. I feel like what I'm hearing you say too, and you said it earlier, but maybe just the thread in this is less is more. And so hearing you say, you know, when the diagnosis happened and you knew that you needed to ease your stress, it was like, what are the things I can let go in my classroom? Less is more. I didn't need to do all of these other bells and whistles. I could do more with less. And then the other piece is three priorities. And it could be as simple as, yes, I am going to prioritize checking my email because I haven't checked it in five days. And I know my principal is expecting me. You didn't say that, but I'm just saying like, it doesn't have to be on the priority list every day. Um, it doesn't, all those things that are coming through the email or whatever don't have to be on the priority list. It's what, what needs to be, um, well, the, yeah, prioritized. <laughs> say, lack of a better word. And I love that, but I do, I feel like that common thread is just less is more less is more. It, yes, it is. Um, down to like, I had a pretty minimal classroom. Adults would come into my classroom to decompress because it was just so lovely. Um, I'm not your, I mean, I would been around a lot of maybe on the verge of hoarding <laughs> teacher hoarders. <laughs> I don't know if that's typical in all places, but, um, I, I just, that also helps. My, my space at school, I kind of laugh because my space at school was much more organized and tidy than my house. Because also when you let go of things, something has to give and you have, you just, it's okay to be okay with that. And mm -hmm. to know, to take, to take steps. Um, it, it's just not all rosy and rainbows. Even for me, when I'm working on all of these things, there are days where it is not easy to do some of these things. And that's part of the human experience. Um, I would say the, the difference from where I am now is I am a highly reflective person. So mm -hmm. I think the more reflective a person can be, the more a person can be coached, whether it's from an actual coach, a colleague, uh, somebody um, to, to take in a different perspective that there might be something there might be something different that might be possible, even if you can't see it right now. So when I talk about these things, I know that there are teachers out there that are like, I, I don't have time for that. I don't know how this would work. And, and I, I hear you, I see that I, I've been there. And I also know that when you take a leap of faith to do some shifting of your mindset that you can't even fathom right now, I understand that. Mm -hmm. it, it happens. It, it absolutely happens. And again, I'll go back to what you think about, you bring about, and you will find evidence because it's the law of polarity. You will find evidence for what you are searching for. It's the same kind of thing. Oh, I forget what it's called, but you know, when you get a new car oh, right. and you never have noticed that car before, it's like, Oh, this is so great. And then you're driving and every car you see is the car you just bought. Yeah. And I can't remember the name for it. reticular. There's, there's something. Um, it, it's kind of like that. So. Oh my goodness. 
I really appreciate that. The, the last thing that I think I would just um, love to talk about is one of the things that I, I don't know if I read it on Instagram or if I read it in just our own pre preliminary notes, but like the demanding of change in education. And I would just love to hear from your, your mind and heart, like, what does that look like? And what is, what are the steps in your own personal opinion that it's going to take to get to the change that you're about to share with us? Yeah, it's, I don't know that I know what the answer is. I don't think any of us necessarily do because the system is, is so rooted <laughs> in so many things from a system that's built on white supremacy to 70% uh, of the you know, education workforce is still, is, is women. So there's, there's uh, an oppression of women, so to speak. And, mm. um, and then just the world that we're in and how it all plays out. So what I do know is, especially after the, this pandemic that we're still in, there was such a huge opportunity to have a shifting of how we view education and our systems and that didn't happen. So that is where I come to this statement of nobody is going to magically come down and say, you know what, we are, we are so sorry that we've done this and we've treated you, but the system is not, has not, did not recognize it after these 20 months. They're not, it's not going to happen. So we have to come together as educators. We can no longer be in silos. We can no longer be judging other teachers that leave on time. We can no longer be comparing ourselves to the Pinterest worthy things. And as new teachers coming in, feeling like that's what makes a good teacher, that nothing that you have up in your classroom makes you a good teacher. Nothing, these extra things, what makes you are good enough to begin with, because the job is it's unbelievably hard and, and taxing. I come from, both my parents were teachers. So they seeing the evolution of how many things are placed on our plates, it is not, it is, it is not possible. It is not possible. And, and in many situations I've been in an education and, and otherwise, we all know that the people making the decisions for us are so far removed from having to implement any of the decisions that you know, if they had to do what we're doing for even seven days, even two days, whatever, it, I feel like the decisions would change collectively because it's so easy to say, do this, 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 when you're not the one that has to do it or feel that pressure, which is another whole story. Like, thinking of why, why, what are we competing against? What is this pressure? What, what is this coming from? And so if together we can come together as teachers, we can say no to all the overtime. We can stop buying things for our classroom, even though that's so hard because the, yes, those things make it easier on a day-to-day -day basis, but how can we stop doing those things? How can we work together in our teams to get the work done during the time and say no outside of that, the system will have to change. It will have to because we are standing up to it. We can no longer be part of the problem. We can no longer be part of the problem. Love that. Thank you so much. And I, I appreciate just, you can feel that. 
I can feel it in my heart as I hear you reflect on it, the passion. And as you, the word you used, again, I don't know if it was on Instagram or if it was in the preliminary questionnaire, but like demanding change. And I think the work that you're doing, starting with ourselves, but then collectively coming together to stand up to it is going to gain traction. And that is my hope because that is the whole purpose of this podcast is to renew hope in the sense of what education could be. But there's so much we as teachers are being asked to do that is making us feel a sense of hopelessness. And I think the collective nature of what you are preaching, if you will, and saying like, we can do this, it starts somewhere. And I think what I'm hearing you say is it starts with us individually and collectively coming together with that passion of the big no, which is okay. It's not gonna hurt our students. It's not. I fundamentally believe that when we can protect ourselves and protect one another, we can still show up every day and give all that we have. And it's okay to do it in a time frame that works for our sustainability. Well, and in, even deeper in that, just imagine if we're all doing this, we're modeling this for our students and our families, and we are in a crisis of, oh, I'm sorry, I've got my phone going off. We are in a, it's going off, it's <laughs> we are in a, a mental health crisis that we do not even see, we, we cannot even see where that tunnel is going as of now, right? Especially with the pandemic. And so what if, what if we're modeling things for our, our kids, our students, our families, our parents to create something different outside of just the education that we do so that as they move into adulthood, these are not things that they're plagued with. How many of us adults now are going to therapy for the things that we didn't learn? Mm -hmm. And not that that's gonna go away or that's a bad thing, but if we, I just, I just, I think how amazing, because I saw it in my classroom with my kindergartners doing EFT with me and like, oh, this feels so good. And, and really practicing those things and then extending that out um, into our greater community of our parents, because from my perspective, that's also a piece of the problem. I don't know if you can relate to this, but you know, many parents, I don't even think they realize it, but, oh, well, you want to have this teacher. Who did you get? Oh, you want this teacher because, oh, they do this, 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 or, and, and have, have become part of that, that, um, problem for teachers also, right? Wanting to uh, be that teacher that the parents want their kids to be in. And, and it just creates this just interesting competitive dynamic that I, I don't, it's not healthy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Um, there's so much that needs to be changed, but I will say, and not even, but, and I will say, I'm so grateful for the work that you are doing on behalf of education and educators to make that change happen. Uh, I'm going to wrap us up, but I'd love for people to know where can they find you and what do you offer so that if they're needing that sense of renewal, that sense of coaching, that sense of purpose and support, how do they find you? What can they, they do? Well, um, on, in, on social media, I am the self-nurtured teacher. So you can check me out there. I'm mostly active on Instagram. And then my website, selfnurturedteacher.com. There's all kinds of different starting points. So there's some 
uh, freebie on there for people. I'm really big on managing energy through systems um, that can be sustainable. So you'll find some information on there as well as my card decks that are unique and practical and simple. So if you're looking for something like that, and then I'd love to have people join my um, monthly community. Right now I'm calling it the tree house because I really am, you know, full of trees and teacher and me, but really where we come together and we do this work together so that if you are feeling more isolated in the specific team or school site that you're at, you can have that community to do this work um, with, with, with me and our team. <laughs> and Jill, what I'd love to do is um, purchase a card deck. And for people who are listening, um, they can DM me via Instagram and we'll do a drawing and send a card deck to them just so they can be graced with your amazingness um, and gifted to the, the, what you are bringing to this world as educate or for educators. And I'm excited to then share in that energy as well. So definitely we'll um, offer that as, as a gift from, from you to me, to the, the community. Um, I'm excited to get on your website, purchase the card deck and go from there. How's that sound? That sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And just, um, Again, so grateful for what you do day in and day out, uh, for your vulnerability that you shared in this time. And my hope is that most teachers can, and educators, I should say this collectively, um, don't get to a point where, I mean, and I know your, your sickness and, and the disease that you are enduring, there is probably no way around it. But I also know that for so many educators who don't have that, but are still so burned. And I, I left the classroom because I was sick. And when I left the classroom, I was magically healed. What a concept. I don't want that to be the case for other people. And so knowing that they have a community of, of people like you to lead some of this work, to get in front of that, this is so important. So definitely check out the Self-Nurtured Teacher. Um, know that Jill is doing amazing work to support educators in the realm of, of becoming better for ourselves and therefore our students. And thank you, Jill, so, so much. I really appreciate all that you shared today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Jill, so much. You are an inspiration. Here are the takeaways to today's episode. Number one, be open and vulnerable when you have needs. Education is about community and we all want to support each other. Number two, learn to say no. Number three, scale down and incorporate students into the needs of your classroom. You don't have to do everything. Number four, energy flows where your attention goes. Think about what you want to be true and put your energy there. Number five, stop, breathe, and ask for help. And number six, if you have to ask for help, know still that you are good enough to begin with. To enter to receive one of these amazing free card decks, either DM me on Instagram, follow the link in the show notes, or sign up for our Teacher Renewed community on Facebook and introduce yourself with a message that includes I Heart the self nurture Teacher episode. Thanks, and I look forward to hanging out with you again soon.